Matthew chapter 1. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, stand with me if you're able, and we'll read Matthew chapter 1, page 910 in the Simplified King James Version. And the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was in this way. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child from the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was resolved to put her away secretly. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take to you Mary, your wife. For what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled what was spoken from the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had asked him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. I praise you for this story, this account. I thank you for how you came to this earth. I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would bless this time, that he would give me grace to speak the best words, that you would open hearts to receive it, I thank you for coming as you did. I thank you for the mission that you accomplished. And I thank you that right here in 2023, we worship you, we love you, and we rejoice in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please be seated. Getting big news can always be hard. Um, sometimes it's good news and then it's easy. Sometimes it's more difficult news and it's harder. And when we think of the word news, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the word news comes from the word new, as in brand new, something you didn't know before. And when we look at this story, Joseph is hearing some news for the first time. Now, what's actually happening is he's having news that he's already received, in other words, old news, and then he's putting it together with new news, right? The old news is, well, it, it, there's two pieces of old news I want to talk about. The old news Joseph knew is that Israel would one day have a Messiah. The Bible says, the prophet said, the nation as a whole, they looked for a deliverer, a Messiah, one sent from God to deliver their nation. And so Joseph had some old news. But he also had some very more recent old news in his own personal life, and that is the woman he was planning to marry was found to be expecting. And this news was very bad news for him. And uh, I want to just go through the story in a very simple fashion, looking at each verse and seeing how Joseph responded to the truth that God gave him. Um, let me just take a quick moment to talk about what this meant for Joseph. Joseph lived in a culture where when you would be married, um, you would, there was a certain process of how things went. And marriage was very much common, very much ordinary. There was a structure to it in the Jewish culture. And so what would happen is um, many times in their teen years, a woman would be betrothed to a man. And uh, parents were involved and uh, 
things were arranged for a marriage, but the way their marriage worked was a little bit different than ours. We have the thing called engagement, right? You put a rock on it, you plan to get married, kind of engagement. And the word that's used here in the Bible is betrothed. And what this meant for them was this, is that there was a, a public uh, de- declaration of this betrothal. And legally, they were considered man and wife, husband and wife at that time. But there was a, a waiting period, a long waiting period, at least nine months, sometimes 12, sometimes even longer. And that waiting period had several purposes to it. One of the purposes of this waiting period was to help get ready for the wedding. You know, in their culture, they didn't have Walmarts and, you know, uh, Harris Teeter and these different places where you just go grab everything and you throw it on. They had to literally start making plans and trying to find uh, the fruit of the vine and the right foods and the right setting. And it was a big deal. A wedding feast sometimes would last days. And so they would prepare for these months and months. But the second reason there was this waiting period was to see if, if there was any infidelity or any other reason or any other word of unfaithfulness on the part of either one. But especially in that culture, it was on the woman. And if she was found with child, people would know that she had either you know, gone ahead with the marriage before it should have been consummated, or they would know that someone else had been with this woman. This is the waiting period that Joseph is in. He's already been betrothed. He's already been declared man and wife, but there is a separation. There is this waiting period. And during that time, word comes to him that she's expecting. Now, I don't know how that word got to him. I don't know if Mary told him. I don't know if someone else told him. But I can guarantee you it was a bad day in Joseph's life when he found the woman that he was planning to marry was expecting someone else's child. Only one time in my life have I ever heard of someone that was engaged and it was found to be that the, the woman was with someone else's child and the man went ahead and married her anyway. But I remember that story and it's always stuck out in my mind. And I had to think of Joseph because Joseph's another man that did just that. But he didn't do it uh, on a whim. No, he did it very specifically because of the guidance of the Lord to him. And this situation that they find themselves in, Joseph is disturbed. He is thinking about it. He is sad. He is wondering what to do. And the, the main path for what to do is technically there's three options. One is to go ahead and, and marry the woman. He wasn't considering that option. The other extreme option would be to publicly denounce her. And uh, if found guilty and, and the charge is proven true, she could be stoned publicly and executed, which was the Old Testament law. And Joseph is not comfortable with marrying her And he is not comfortable with uh, seeking to kill her. And so he is looking at this third option. And it says in verse 19, not willing to make her a public example, but resolved to put her away secretly. In other words, there would be a divorce, but it would be a quiet and a private thing. And uh, because the marriage was not consummated, Joseph would be free to go marry someone else. And uh, Mary would no doubt be left alone for the rest of her life in that culture. Joseph is thinking about this. He has so much on the line. Remember, what line is Joseph in? He's in the line of David. That's why the angel calls him a son of David. And the line of David had a promise on it. And the line of David, the promise was that someday a king will be born that will rule Israel. And for Joseph, no doubt, he was like, I, maybe, maybe this is my time. Maybe, maybe a, a king will be restored and it will be from my line. But now this is the situation. Now the woman he planned to marry is found with child. Now his whole 
setup, his whole dreams are all crumbling down. And the plans that he had, the way he thought things were going to work, are falling apart. And so he says, you know what? I do not want to see her killed. I do not want to marry her. And so I'm going to just privately, quietly divorce her and move on with my life. Can I just point out that in this circumstance, one of the, the highest and greatest gifts to our world was given. In a circumstance where things were going wrong, in a circumstance where someone's life, in a way, is getting ruined, and the plans and everything was getting upended, but right in the middle of that, God sends an angel to explain to Joseph what is going on. That there is more to this story. God brings so much good out of this awful situation that Joseph finds himself in. So we, we first see the problem in verse 18, the problem, and then in verse 19 is the parting, that is this divorce that's being planned. Look at verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take to you Mary, your wife, for what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The angel tells Joseph, there is a conception. Your, your uh, wife, that is not fully your wife, but this one that you've committed to, she is expecting. And the reason she's expecting is that the Holy Spirit has done a work on her. And this is the source of her conception. It is the Holy Spirit. This is um, an angel confirming what we call in Christianity the virgin birth. The virgin birth of Christ. And one reason it's important is the Bible tells us that this is how it happened, and so we know it's important because the Bible is an accurate record. But the second reason it's important is because the Bible teaches us that the sin nature that you and I all have is passed down through the man. And so uh, if you think of it this way, you say, Pastor John, what's a sin nature? A sin nature is that inclination that you have to do wrong. And sometimes your sin nature may lead you to say something, or to not say something. Sometimes your sin nature will lead you to do a variety of things, but it's the inner inclination to do wrong. I, I like to uh, explain it this way. You don't have to teach little kids to hit each other. You have to teach them not to hit each other, right? And the reason you don't have to teach them to hit each other is because that is a natural expression of their sin nature. And so when we read here about the virgin birth, it's important from a story aspect to understand the miracle of what God did. But it's also important from a theology standpoint, and that is this. That child within Mary did not have a sin nature. There was no inner inclination in Jesus to ever sin. He was not a sinner. He was a virgin-born human being. And because He was born in this way, He was God's Son. He was God in the flesh, but He was a human that did not sin. So, so the, the angel says... The conception that is in her is from the Holy Spirit. That one who is within her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 21, I call the plan. And I think this is the key verse for the whole passage. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. See, the angel tells him she is going to deliver this child. You know, it would be such a comfort as you're carrying a child to know that God said it's going to be born and it's going to live. And especially in this culture, I mean, child death was uh, much more frequent in their culture than ours. And here the angel says she will deliver. He will be born and he will be named. And this is what his name will be. His name will be called Jesus. 
Jesus. That will be his name. You talk about getting your name from heaven. That literally was the case. Jesus was named of this angel and told what he should be called. But notice it says, she'll bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. But this next phrase is vital. It says, for he, that is Jesus, shall save his people from their sins. This is the part of the story that is not just out there somewhere in theory. Sometimes we read about the virgin birth and we think, well, what does that really have to do with me? Or we, we read about the angels and we say, well, an angel's never appeared to me, so, you know, this story is not very applicable to me. But this phrase that says, he shall save his people from their sins. This is a very applicable phrase if you agree that you have sins. If you have sins, the Bible says that Jesus came to save you from those sins. Now, I know we're in church and I know it's Sunday morning, and sometimes we might like to think that we don't have any sins. But let me be direct with you. I'm a sinner, and I sin. I am in need of rescue. And my rescue is not that my title is pastor in front of my name. That is not my rescue. My rescue is not that we have Baptist on the name of our sign. That's not my rescue. My rescue is found in one person, Jesus Christ. He's my rescue. And the Bible is what tells me this. He shall save his people from their sins. There was a day where I knew I had sins, and I knew I needed Jesus to save me from those sins. And, and here it is, before Jesus is even born, and the angel is saying to Joseph, look, look, you need to see this a little differently. This is not some other man's child. Mary has not been running around on you, and you don't need to divorce her. But in fact, you talk about 100% opposite. In fact, this child is from the Holy Spirit. This child is going to be the deliverer of the world from their sin. Wow. In other words, this situation that looks really bad is actually really, really good. And this is a moment that God has prophesied. And here's Joseph, and, and he's hearing this news. He shall save his people from their sins. When we read about what Mary says when she hears this news, she will declare, I believe it's to her cousin Elizabeth, she declares, I rejoice in God my Savior. And Mary says that she has a Savior, and his name is Jesus. This, this Savior that was sent was sent for Joseph, and it was sent for Mary, and it was sent for the shepherds and the kings and all the ones we read about in the Christmas story. Jesus came for those people, but I want to just say that he also came for you and for me. We have sins that need to be uh, rescued from. We need forgiveness of our sins, and the verse tells us he shall save his people from their sins. Some people read that and they say, that's too good to be true. How is it that some, I remember, uh, I had a family member say this one time, how is it that a man that lived over 2,000 years ago has anything to do with my sins? And then they went on to say, I will answer for my own sins when I stand before God. And that, that tore at my heart so much because the whole point of Jesus coming is to forgive us, is to deliver us from our sins. That's the whole reason he came. And here this family member was missing that and was saying, I'll pay for my own sins. Do you know what that payment is? What is the payment for our sin? Well, again, the Bible tells us the payment is death, which is very, very interesting because Jesus never, ever sinned, and yet what did he do on the cross? He died. How could that be? Because he died not for his own sins, but for ours. He took our sins upon himself. And so this angel says to him, he's going to save his people from their sins. This is the purpose. And Joseph is listening. He's taking this in. And you know what he does? He believes it. 
He believes it. Now, I believe if Mary had tried to tell him this, he might have said, yeah, try to come up with another story, right? If his dad had come along and said, hey, you know, this is what's really going on, he said, I think you're off your rocker, right? But this angel comes to him, and this angel explains this to him, and Joseph simply believes. He trusts. And can I just point out that Joseph, I believe he lost his reputation in the community. You know, this couple, Joseph and Mary, I don't believe they had a regular wedding with a big party and all that. I don't think that happened because I don't think a lot of people believed this story. But you know the people that did believe it? Joseph believed it, and Mary believed it, and it made a tremendous difference in their life. And can I remind us that today there are people that believe this story, and there are people that don't believe this story. There's a difference even today. It was true in, in that day. People, some believed and some did not. It is true today. As we read this story, there are people that read it and they say, ah, that's impossible. Can't be. That's not for me. I, I don't believe that. That's a made-up story. But I stand before you as one who has believed this story. And not just a story. I believed in Christ. I placed my faith in Jesus. And the Bible says that he shall save his people from their sins. And I've experienced the joy of forgiveness. My sins have been cleansed. I have been forgiven. And my faith in Jesus is the passageway where he in love and his grace forgives me. You say, it sounds too good to be true. Well, A, the Bible tells us. So we know it's, it's not made up. But secondly, secondly, I want to ask what your other options are. Will you be like that one family member and just say, I'll stand before God with my own sin? Let me just say, that is a foolish, foolish decision. For it ignores the Bible and it ignores the work of Jesus. Here, Joseph has to say, do I believe this angel or do I not? And he made his choice and he believed. He believed the word that God brought to him. Now, let's look at verse 22. Here we see the prophecy from the Old Testament. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled what was spoken from the Lord by the prophet, saying... Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. This prophet is Isaiah. He's the one that gave this prophecy. And it could be that Joseph had read this prophecy. And so when he had heard from hundreds of years prior that God promised to send um, a, a sign, and that this sign would be that a virgin would give birth, Joseph is not just taking the word of an angel, but he's also taking the word of the scripture and he's putting them together. And, um, and so it is today that you should not just take a word of some preacher and be like the preacher said. No, but you need to take the words of scripture and what the Bible says and make sure that what, what is being taught or said to you is indeed from God. So Joseph, he's heard this perhaps and, and the writer of the book of Matthew says, this is the verse. Notice, notice that last name that is given to him. They shall call his name Emmanuel. I wonder if Joseph would have called him Emmanuel if the angel didn't say, name him Jesus, <laughs> right? Uh, but in fact, here's the thing about Jesus. He was named all sorts of names. You know, uh, I have three names. Um, now, this is a little confusing. My last name has three words, and it's it to flesh. U-I-T is one word. D-E is the second word, and the last word is flesh. I have had more trouble with that name than I can count. First time was like age seven at Bible camp, and I couldn't take my swim test because I wasn't on the roster. Well, once you know, they put me under the Fs. They put me under flesh instead of Ike the flesh. Well, I have three lat words in my last name. And altogether, I have three names. John, first name, middle name Gary, last name Ike the flesh. Three names. Now, once in a while, you'll meet someone, and they'll have like five names, right? They'll be like George, 
Lindell, Harrison, you know, they just add them all in, and they're, they're five or six names is like, whoa, wow. But when we read of Jesus, we find name after name after name after name is given to him. And the Bible even says he has a name that's above every name. And why is it? It's because there's so much truth and there's so much goodness and there's so much greatness in Jesus that one name just doesn't cut it. Three names just don't cut it. And the name Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. And again, this shows us that God, the Son, who is ever existing in eternity, He came to earth and through the power of the Holy Spirit, He was made human in the body of Mary. And when that baby was born, that baby was a human baby, and it was also God, God the Son. And the, the Bible says this name means God with us. And so when Mary held that child, that was the God-man. Or we could say the God-baby at that point, right? And, um, and this was God come to earth. This is how He can be our Savior. If He was not a human, He couldn't take our place. If He was not God, He would have sinned. And He would have had to stand for His own sin. But because He was the God-man, this is what made Him qualified to bear our sins. Now, look at verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had asked him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Joseph believes the word and he follows the word. And the word was, don't fear to take Mary as your wife. And so that's what he did. He took her as his wife, but he did not know her. That word know is speaking of the physical consummation of the marriage. He says he did not know her until after she had brought forth her firstborn son. Now, there's a lot of the story that we're kind of jumping through, and Luke 2 has a lot more details. But I just want to point out this last line here. This last line says, and he called his name Jesus. Now, you know this naming took place eight days after Jesus was born. And they were, he was born in Bethlehem, and that's its, its own story. We won't get into all that. He was born in Bethlehem, and just a short distance away was Jerusalem. And on the eighth day, Jesus and his mother and his father all were in the temple. And there he would be circumcised. There there would be a, um, a purification rites. And, you know, it's a traditional thing. Every Jewish child had something like this. But then there would be the naming of the child. And Joseph names the child Jesus. Now, he does so in obedience to the angel, but you know it also meant that because Joseph knew in his heart this was not his literal DNA child, that by naming him and claiming him, he would be his stepfather. He would be his legal guardian. He would be that dad. And Jesus had a, a stepfather, Joseph, who was a good, good man who didn't care about his reputation, who followed the guidance of the angel, who believed the prophet of the Old Testament, and a man that watched over his son. Where You can read in chapter 2 about how Joseph protected his son. We see all this, but he names him Jesus. He chose the name Jesus. Why? Because the angel had told him. And that word Jesus has this idea of Savior or Deliverer. And his name is Jesus because he is the Savior. He is the Deliverer. 
I think you can understand a little bit of why we have a play and why every Christmas we decorate and we have the carols and we do some of the special things that we do. Why do we do this every Christmas? It is not just tradition. It's not because we have to. It's not because there's this time on a calendar and it's what we have to do. No, no, no. It's because we have believed the story of Christ. We've received him. And we take great joy in Jesus. We take great comfort in the fact that he's come to save us from our sins. And this story to us is the beginning. This is the beginning of the life of Jesus and how he, he was uh, conceived and how he was born and all the special surrounding events. This story to us reminds us of the greatness of our Jesus. He's ours. He's ours to forgive us. He's ours to strengthen us. He's not just some distant uh, power out somewhere. No, but we've received him by faith. And so now our life and our experience and our day-to-day -day is ever different because of Jesus. When my child has a birthday, we celebrate it. Why? Because I love my child. We, we put up a banner at our house and we try to draw different uh, things that they like. And uh, we put what birthday it is. We make them a cake. We have gifts, right? We do that because we love that child. Now, I'll just be honest. I don't do a whole lot for other people's kids on their birthday, right? Because that's their kid, right? And uh, it's their duty and all that. And I might say happy birthday. I might even sing to them. But I don't really have a connection to that, right? That's not my child. Well, I want to ask you, is Christmas one of those things where you're sort of like, huh, what's everyone doing? Like, what's this really all about? I mean, is this really just about going to the mall and buying gifts for people? Is that what Christmas is? Do you kind of feel like you're on the outside looking in and Christmas is sort of this thing on the calendar, but you don't have a, a connection. You don't have a meaning to why it is what we're doing here. This story tells us an important part of why we're doing what we're doing. God come to earth. God who, who became human and, and took our sin on himself and loved us and gave himself for us. Yes. That beautiful story is our Christmas story. And it's why we rejoice. It's why we celebrate. It's why we make costumes and do the story and sing the songs. Because it means something to us. And I urge you, if Christmas doesn't mean anything to you, and more specifically, if you don't know Christ personally, in a way where your sins have been forgiven, I just want to tell you, this Christmas is for you. This season, this word, this story, it's for you. Jesus came to save you from your sins. To forgive you and to give you grace to live a different life. That's why he came. And that is good news. This is the good news of Christmas. So they call him Jesus. And for many, many years, he doesn't really do a whole lot. There's one story of Jesus' childhood, just one in the Bible. He lived a pretty normal life, pretty quiet existence. But then at around age 30, he burst onto the scene with miracles, with teaching, with with traveling and spreading a message all around Israel, pointing people to God. The people didn't receive him. They didn't believe his story. And so eventually, the powerful religious figures were getting their toes stepped on by Jesus. They were losing some of their influence amongst the masses. They moved to have Jesus killed. He was crucified. He was put to death. And while he was on the cross, he looked up to heaven and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In other words, on that cross, Jesus was doing a work of forgiveness. 
And the good news for us is that Jesus was buried, but he did not stay in that tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead. What does this tell us? It tells us that Jesus took our sins. He did a work of forgiveness. He entered into death, and then he conquered death. He came back to life after three days. His body and his soul came together, and he promises that those who believe on him, they will have the same experience. We enter into death, but because our sins are forgiven, we're promised that we will come out of death and that we'll be with him for eternity. That's the good news of Jesus. That's why we worship him. It's why we love him. And I hope you can say from the bottom of your heart that you have trusted him and that you love him also. Let's bow our heads in prayer together. Ask the Lord for his help as we leave. This message of Christmas is so important. It is so vital. And I, I don't know every heart. I don't know every background. But I just want to say that if, 